text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. Visit DoIHavePreDiabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. First and 10 football, if you ain't in... Get out. This is the Training Camp Report on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Presented by Bud Light, America's favorite light lager. FedEx, where now meets next. Lecom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine campuses in Erie, Greensburg, Elmira, New York, and Bradenton, Florida. By your neighborhood Ford store. Excella Health, Expert Care, here. And by Ireland Contracting. Pittsburgh's number one home exterior expert. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. Good evening, Steelers Nation. This is Jacob Recht joined by Dale Lolly here at Bingham Tavern on Mount Washington for your Steelers training camp report tonight, August the 10th. Dale, we are about, what, 12 days into training camp so far? I've lost complete count. Lost complete Jacob. count. I, I mean, it's no all idea. flowed together. Yeah. The preseason's flowing nicely. We're about to hop into week. I just week. know we're going to have a first. Well, here's the thing. This is the interesting thing about this week. So the Steelers play their second preseason game Thursday night. They'll, yeah. they'll have played their second preseason game before 27 other teams have played their first preseason game. Only Washington and New England playing alongside the Steelers and Eagles on Thursday night, Dale. I mean, is that fair? I, I mean, you, you get the extra game because of, of the uh, the Hall of Fame game. So the rest of it kind of falls where it falls. You're all done at the same time. So, I, hey, Mike Tomlin would have him play as many as he could get in. Right, that's you know. that's Mike Tomlin for you. But anyways, I am here with Dale. Dale, it's kind of weird being in this position because usually it's you and someone else and I'm just running the boards or running the as the engineer on, on site. It's good to be on the mic, you know, with you. It's my first time on the mic with you after running the drive for a couple of years now. And I got to say, after patiently waiting for my time, I'm finally here. And, you know, after watching you and other guys, I've, I've tried to make a mental note of things to do or, or things well, to learn If you're watching from. me, all the things, you not what not to do. That's well, it. here's the thing is the <laughs> fact that we are here at Bingham Tavern. Sponsored by Bud Light. The Bud Lights are flowing. The wings are out, except for at this table, because the one thing I learned is from our buddy Adam Crowley the last time you and I were out on a remote show, Adam Crowley was an absolute mess. Yes, this guy, you, you can't go with regular wings. At, at a, you have to go boneless. This guy was air. eating hot wings in a very <laughs> overheated location with, of course, now his, his COVID-19 haircut. He has not gotten the haircut since the pandemic has started. The, the hair was dripping. I think there was hair and sweat and sauce all on his face. I mean, the guy was a mess. So my plate is clean right now. I'll enjoy some food later on. But if I've taken away anything from my two years as a producer for all of your shows, it's the one thing I can say to myself when I, when I one day walk away from here is at least I'm not like Adam Crowley. Well, that's, yeah, there, there are very few who are, and those who are, aren't around anymore because they've just become a mess. So they've Just they've, a total mess. Yeah, they've, they've either, you know, I, I've known Crowley for too long now, and uh, that was probably one of the more reserved Crowley right. moments. You know? Right, not the full Latrobe Crowley that, no. that you've come to no. know. 
Well, we are not at Latrobe. Of course, as you know, the Steelers are practicing at Heinz Field because of the COVID-19 precautions. And Dale, today there was no practice, or I guess you could say they a limited practice. They did seven it, yeah. shots. That was all they had time for. There were two different rain delays. And in that time, in the seven shots, we saw a little bit of frustration uh, on Ben Roethlisberger. I know you had said, Ben, after two consecutive false starts uh, during those seven shots, Ben kind of slammed the ball down. What's happening with that offensive line? I, I mean, usually in something like that, you would expect it to be kind of easy for the offense to click. And the offensive line, Dale, I don't want to you know, pick from the low-hanging fruit too soon, but it does seem like this is the one thing that people kind of return to and say this is where the frustration starts and ends. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is the one area, like, I don't think the secondary is going to be concerned at all for this team, uh, you know, unless they get a rash of injuries. But the offensive line is something you can point to and say, okay, this is, you know, this is going to potentially be a problem. Um, I think they'll run the ball better uh, than they did last year. I don't think they can run it worse. They were 32nd. Hard uh, to be worse. Yeah, hard to be worse than 32nd in a 32-team league. Um so I do think that they'll run the ball better, and I think Najee Harris will help that. But I think, you know, there's going to be – I don't know if I want to call it growing pains because some of these guys – you know, Trey Turner was one of the guys who, who false started in that situation. So I don't know if, if, if you want to say it's growing pains with an eight-year veteran. Um, but they're, they're just now starting to get these guys onto the field all together at the same time. So, you know, I, I, do, I do think there, there could be some continuity issues – or just getting used to each other, playing next to each other, because they just haven't done it, uh, you know, all that much in this training camp. <clears throat> so that's going to be something to keep an eye on here over these last it, – it, it will be a month from Thursday that the Steelers will play their regular season opener in Buffalo. So you get a month to work on this. We're starting to see some guys trickle back into the lineup. Uh, you know, Chooks Akora for at left tackle, and Zach Banner has been back at least on a semi-consistent you know, basis at the right tackle position. Uh, you know, I mentioned Turner. He's been a constant. Kendrick Green's been a constant. Uh, you know, I, I guess at this point, you know, you could look at it and say, well, uh, maybe they, maybe they are, do have the constant now at, uh, at right ta or at the right left guard, I should say, because we've seen Rashad Coward out there a lot. Kendrick, uh, Kevin Dotson running a second team here, and he was doing so again today. So, um, you know, you need to get those guys on the field together. I'll be shocked um, Thursday. First of all, Banner plays. I don't know if he will. I, I think a quarter four will. I think they may be just hold uh, uh, Banner out one more week, bring him back for the Philadelphia game. Uh, but the rest of those guys, you know, you expect them to be in there and be in there a lot. And I asked Mike Tomlin today, that, you know, the, the fact that Kendrick Green has continued to work with the, the first unit, um, you know, when training camp opened and, and he was the quote-unquote starter, he said, well, that just means he's the starter for the, the, the Hall of Fame game. And I said, okay, so are we to now assume that uh, anything out of this, can we can we make any assumptions out of this? And he said, absolutely not, but he had a big smile Did on his so face. Did so with a big yeah. smile on his face. So I'm glad you brought up Kendra Green and, and Kevin Dotson because, of course, we heard the comments from Coach Tomlin the other day about, Kevin Dotson doing nothing to have earned that first starting position and Dotson kind of made his own comment about the matter saying well I still have to prove to myself to others and to myself that I actually deserve it 
why is it that a second-year guard is having less confidence instilled in him than a first-year center? Well, such as Kendrick Green, obviously. They, yeah, they drafted Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Green with him being the starter in mind. And he's done nothing to this point to dispel that. I, I think it shows that they're, they're kind of happy with what Rashad Coward is doing. But they also, I mean, everybody knows about the report on the, the, the website that I write for, DK Pittsburgh Sports, about the coaching staff being unhappy with Dotson's preparation uh, in this offseason. So what that means, you know, a, a lot of people took it to mean that it was his his uh, physical preparation. doesn't have to be the physical preparation. Uh, doesn't have to mean that he wasn't in shape or anything like that. There's a lot of mental preparation that's involved here as well. And, and, you know, they did a lot of Zoom calls. They were, you know, doing those kind of things. You know, the coaching staff just wasn't happy with, with some of the things that he did in the offseason. So, okay, you want to come in and, and, and coast and think you're automatically going to be the starter? You smack the kid down a little bit and you say, okay, this is, you know, let's see, what you, let's see how you respond to this. We're going to give you a little bit of, of adversity here, put you on the second team unit. I would expect... You know, him playing on the second unit uh, against the Eagles on Thursday night um, for him to go out and look like Alex Highsmith did against Dallas's second team right. offensive line in that game where, where Highsmith just dominated. Well, no one looked better against right. a second team guy than Alex Highsmith. And I kind of feel foolish because on our show on The Standard with Tom Opferman, we had done a segment about guys on the Steelers on offense and defense who have yet to make a Pro Bowl who we <laughs> believe to make that next leap this year. And we both said on offense it could be Kevin Dotson. And I don't know if it's a little premature for us to have said that, but we certainly looked foolish now with Dotson possibly not getting the start behind Coward. Well, I fully expect Kevin Dotson will be the starter when the season opens. But again, you're, you're lighting the fire under the kid. You're making him earn it. Right. But I think there's something to that. Like right now, if Kendrick Green weren't playing at a high level, he wouldn't be the, he wouldn't be in there right now. So I think you gave him the opportunity, and now you're moving on from that first opportunity. You're saying, okay, you did okay there. Let's see if you can continue to, to build on, on on this opportunity. And eventually, Mike Tomlin's going to say, you know, when when we ask him about is Kendrick Green your starter, he's just say, yeah, he's the guy. There are just so many looming question marks, at least from my perspective about the offensive line. Like when the first depth chart was released and it was Hassenhauer who got the start over Kendrick Green, but even though Kendrick Green's getting the first team reps, it was still Hassenhauer listed at, at center number one. I don't know, Dale. It just seems to me, and, and Tom, there's just more speculation surrounding the offensive line and what we're actually going to see, whether in terms of who's going to get the start or how healthy the line can be. To me, it's just the question marks that loom, even if they will be answered, even if we expect, fully expect to see Kevin Dawson and Kendrick Green line up next to each other come week one, the fact that these question marks remain has to be a concern. Well, I'll say this. You know, if you look at some of the backup guys, and I thought the offensive line actually performed pretty well against the Cowboys the other day. Now, I realize the Cowboys didn't have a lot of their guys out there, but they had some of them out there. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons was on the field, uh, their number one draft pick. So they had some some front, you know, first uh, first team guys out there, and I thought the line performed well. I, I think when you look at this line, guys, you know, guys like B.J. Finney, and I thought Dan Moore played well, the rookie 
uh, at left tackle. And Coward's obviously been a guy who started games. Joe Haig's been a guy who started games. Um, you know, so I think there's some guys there that if it, if it comes down to it, they could put them in the starting lineup and be okay. I don't think there's as big of a drop-off, and this is both good and bad. There's not as big of a drop-off from your, from your starters, your first-team guys to your second-team guys as maybe there have been in previous years. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin always likes to talk about the standard being the standard. Well, I think it's much easier for these, these second-team guys to uphold the, the quote-unquote standard. standard, whatever that standard may be this year. You know, I, and I think the standard is going to be just run the football better. So we saw that line firing off the ball and, and being aggressive. Uh, you know, you saw some rugby scrums out there and things of that nature, guys pushing the pile. So it, it, it's all going to be interesting to continue to watch. We've got, like I said, we've got another month of this, uh, you know, speculation. But at some point, you'd like to see those five guys who you project as the starting five on the field together here for an extended period of time. Right. I mean, Wolf always talks about – the big C's when it comes to the offensive line, and that's consistency, chemistry, and cohesiveness. I mean, that's the most important thing when it comes to the offensive line. No other group on both sides of the football needs to work those things out more so than the old line, and that's what that's where a lot of my concern stems from is the fact that the guys who we project to be the, the starting five come week one, we're already in week two, I guess technically week one, but week two for the Steelers, and we have yet to see those guys play together. And I'm surprised Wolfley, did, by the way, didn't add another C to that. Chops. What's that one? Chops. As in, as in pork chops. Pork chops, yeah. right. I mean, of course, Wolf could talk about food all day long, but he could talk about the offensive line and, and how that operates. But, you know, the, the longer you go in or the deeper you go into the preseason without the guys you expect to start week one together, I mean, that's – I hate to bring up another C, but I feel like I keep repeating myself with, the, with concern. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt it's a concern. I think it's the biggest concern surrounding this team, even more so than the people who are out there saying that Ben Roethlisberger's arm is shot and things of that nature. Uh, the offensive line is the biggest concern with this team. Um, I don't. Ex it's not going to be a top 10 unit this this year. It's not going to be maybe even a top 16 unit this, this but year. But doesn't need to be. I don't know that it does. Um, right. You know, if you look back, I I, I actually did a. a story eh, it's probably six weeks ago now where I went back and looked at the Steelers teams that have gone to Super Bowls and where their offensive line ranked in the running run blocking metrics and things of that nature and none of them were great run blocking lines but you had you know running backs who were capable of, of, of providing something on their own that's what they didn't have last year was a running back who could create on his own I think they do have that now and I think that's going to be a, a major factor here of course, the running back who you want to compare Najee Harris to most recently is Le'Veon Bell, but the styles are so different. But the only reason you have to, him to compare him to is because the guys in between really don't hold a candle. James Conner, of course, when he was healthy, was able to carry the ball for about four yards per carry, but everyone else on that team, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels, most especially, really just could not, despite even a healthy offensive line with guys like Big Al, uh, of course, Marquise Pouncey and, at the time, a, a, a healthy David DeCastro still couldn't make the most out of it. So, yeah, I, I do agree that it doesn't have to be a top 10 unit. It doesn't have to be even a top 16. If you're average, I mean, if you're better than 32, you don't expect to be anywhere near 32 this year in terms of running offense. But if you can be anywhere close to 20 or 18 in terms of 
run blocking, I mean, that's enough to let a guy like Najee Harris have Absolutely. a stellar rookie season. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it, um, you know, if they're, again, closer to 20 um, than they are 30 or 32, uh, they're, they're a much more dangerous team. I, I, I don't expect them, and it doesn't all have to be Najee Harris as well. You know, the, the end of rounds and the, the jet sweeps and things of that nature all count towards your rushing yards. You know, and you're not, you know, the Steelers as currently constructed aren't going to be a top 10 unit just because, or, or top 10 team running the football because the quarterback's not going to run for them. You know, it's not Lamar Especially Jackson. Especially number seven. Yeah, it's not Lamar Jackson. It's not Kyler Murray or one of these guys that, that are going to, you know, add an extra four or five, six, you know, in Jackson's case, a thousand yards to your rushing total. Uh, you know, Josh Allen, th those, th that's the teams you're competing against here. But you don't have to be that team. You know, the, the, the Colts last year had a top 10 running game. They had Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Uh, now, they also have a very good offensive line. But if you can be, if you can replicate that and get your, your offense to the point where it's, you know, a top 15, a top 16 offense in the league, this defense is good enough to carry the rest of it. You don't, you can't, there aren't many teams out there that are going to be top 10 in both, on both sides of that. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, the most important responsibility of the offensive line is protecting number seven, and the guys who fall behind him on the depth chart will talk about that quarterback number two race when we come back. It's Jacob Reck, Dale Lawley, live from Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. You're listening to ESPN Radio and SNR. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation, SNR. We are back here at Bigham Tavern on Mount Washington. Dale Lolly, sorry about that. Dale Lolly to my right, Jacob Recht with you for the next two hours until 9 p.m. Dale, we left off last segment. That would be three hours, Jacob. Seven to nine? It's, it's six o'clock. Oh, it's it's six to eight. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know these night shows. You know you talked about. The, we were saying how we don't even know what day of training camp it is. I'm losing track of time on a given day. I mean, are, are the Steelers playing tomorrow or Thursday or Sunday? I have no idea at this point. Yeah, I mean I'm doing a morning show every every day uh, from eight a.m. to ten a.m. on Steelers Nation Radio, and this is that's seriously cutting into my. Uh, I don't know, my sleep my, time. Your sleep schedule, I'm sure. I mean, Let alone being at the, at the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Right. That, that, that really messed with my time clock as well. But at least you know you after. You were the one that was the hour off. I, I did. At least you know Friday morning you can sleep in a little bit if you want maybe. to. Maybe. Monday morning, maybe. Of course, after that's back-to-back -back practices on Saturday and Sunday for us. See, you say that, and that was my plan Sunday morning in Canton. I wasn't in Canton. I was just outside of Canton. And I was up till 2.30-ish filing stuff from the Hall of Fame the night, uh -huh. that, night, that night. So I go to bed. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I don't have to check out until 11 tomorrow. I'm going to get up around 10, and then I, I'll head on back to the, uh, the Hall of Fame. And I'm laying there, and I get a wake-up call at 6.20 a.m. that I didn't ask for. You didn't ask for? No. Oh, no. I'm assuming that wake-up call was for the people in the room next to me because at 7 a.m. I was awakened again. I'd just fallen back asleep to them slamming doors and everything. And a hustle. Kind of like Home Alone yeah. where the, you know, the yeah. clock's reset and everything. And then oh, leaving. Dale. So then that's not the end of it. So I finally kind of fall back to sleep. And at 9 a.m., the maid, I, have the, I have the do not disturb sign on the door. And the maid comes walking into my room 
And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Well, that's just absurd. At least, you know, the the wake-up call may be forgivable if someone just wrote down the wrong room number. But if the Do Not Disturb sign is on there, what's happening? Think. Well, I, I, I immediately threw my clothes on and went downstairs to the, uh, to the, the counter, and I said, Excuse me, what time is this checkout is today? I thought you were going to say the counter at the bar. What time no, does I the wish. bar open? Because and, and she said, well, you have, you have until 11 a.m. to check out. I said, okay. Then please explain the 6.20 a.m. Uh, wake-up call that I didn't ask for. And then the maid coming, walking into my room. Right. And she said, well, what room are you in? I said, my, I told her my room number. And she said, that room is checked out. I have the key. Somebody turned in the keys today. I said, no, the keys are right here in my hand. I said, I haven't checked out. And, and she again went through this whole spiel and said, you know, I have that room as being unoccupied at this time. I said, no, I'm most definitely in oh, there. Oh, there's someone there. Yeah. Dale, who did you piss off last week and at that hotel? I don't know. I was there for four days. You'd think that they would have gotten the idea that I wasn't going anywhere. but Maybe by that fourth day they were just sick of you and they were clearly trying to force you that, out of that there. That could very well be the case, but I've been chasing sleep ever since. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean – after a busy weekend like that, just to be on your last day there, 6.20 wake-up call, 10 a.m., house, uh, housekeeping coming in unannounced. Dale, what a way to end that weekend. But good for you for making it back. I mean, only a couple days later, you'll be back on the road again to Philadelphia. And as we look ahead to our Week 2 game against the Eagles come Thursday night. It's Thursday night, right, Dale? I'm not, I'm yes. not getting my days and nights and my, my times. 7.30 p.m. 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Western time? So that's 10.30 Eastern time? I believe that will be Eastern standard. 7.30 Eastern, Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. There is a quarterback, what some would say possibly, a quarterback position battle ensuing on the North Shore at the Steelers at Heinz Field. Dale, earlier today, Mike Tomlin, when he spoke with the press, said he wants to go with the same strategy he went with last weekend against Dallas. That would be referring to giving Mason Rudolph a start, seeing how he works out, and then obviously bringing in Dwayne Haskins. Do you think back-to-back -back starts to begin the preseason, is that the tell-all sign that Mason Rudolph has now earned this number two spot, or is it still a little too early to tell? No, I think what it's more telling at is that jo uh, or, uh, Dwayne Haskins hasn't done anything to unseat Mason okay. Rudolph. I think that's the that's the idea. I mean, if you watched that game uh, last week and you went into it hating Mason Rudolph, you probably still hate Mason Rudolph. If you went into it vice versa, if you love Mason Rudolph, oh, he was good in that game. Only deep same pass thing with the Dwayne game, Haskin, right. yeah. yeah. Same thing with Dwayne Haskins. Neither one of them particularly stood out necessarily, but neither one of them did a whole lot to, to screw things up either. So it's the status quo. And so that's what Mike Tomlin is doing. He's going with the status quo. That's a safe thing to do. It's a very Mike Tomlin thing to do. Dale, it does seem that there is a lot of buzz surrounding Dwayne Haskins. It seems like he's out of nowhere kind of become this fan favorite for the Steel or Steelers fans who have been attending practice. I mean, obviously now com compared to last year, there were no fans in attendance, but now with fans in attendance, you know, people like yourself in the media can make comments about what you're seeing and people such as the fans can even post videos and, and share their thoughts about what they saw. I mean, they don't have the following, but still they could, it, it's no longer private what's going on in practice. And for some reason, Dwayne Haskins has captured the hearts of Steelers fans. 
I think it's wishful thinking to a certain degree. I think they look at it and say, well, this guy was a first-round draft pick. Um, if he's the successor to Ben, they, look, they've seen Mason Rudolph a lot. <clears throat> they probably haven't seen Dwayne Haskins a lot at the NFL level. Um, you know, they probably didn't watch a lot of the Washington football team and, and, and why Dwayne Haskins got benched. So I, It I, wasn't just because of the COVID-19 no, protocols no, that was, were broken. Right. He earned a benching. I mean, he was not good for Washington. So I, I think there, again, I think some of it is wishful thinking that they're hoping that, that hey, you know, there, there's the crowd out there that's anybody but Mason. And, you know, I think so some of that, some of that, you know, love of Dwayne Haskins is that. And I think there's also some of this, hey, take a chance on the guy because he was a first-round draft pick. Uh, and so I think some of it is that. I, I don't know. I don't believe that Dwayne Haskins will be the Steelers' number two quarterback this year. I would put it this way. I would be surprised if he, if he wound up being that because, A, if you name him number two over Mason Rudolph, at the end of the season, Haskins is going to, his agent's going to come to you and say, well, you liked, the, you liked our guy during the season more than you liked Rudolph, so we want to be paid appropriately. Appropriately. And here's what you gave Rudolph. We want more. Um, also, if you look at it, while it's a new offense, and I get that, Mason Rudolph has way more experience working with Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington and, and Deontay Johnson and those guys. Learned under the tutelage of Matt Canada when he was still just the quarterback coach. Correct. So he's got, a, he, you know, he's got an extra year in working with Canada. He's got an extra three years working in, in with Juju's case, three years working with Juju, uh, you know, a, a much longer time period of working with uh, James Washington. So I just think that if it comes down to it and Ben, ben Roethlisberger misses a start, you probably go with Mason Rudolph in that situation. And the, the experience that we saw, the last two starts that the Steelers got out of Mason Rudolph in 2020 and 2019, 2020 coming in the Week 17 game against the Browns, of which the Browns were playing for everything. The Browns were playing in a, in a win-or-go-home scenario. If they lost that game against the Steelers, they would have been bounced from the playoffs. Mason Rudolph made it a competition, and you go back to 2019 against the New York Jets. This one's a little more questionable because the Jets at the time were a pretty questionable team, and of course he wasn't out there for the whole time, but from what you saw of him, he, he was impressive. Yeah, and, and I think people need to remember as well that the second half of that game against the Browns last year, uh, Mike Tomlin allowed Matt Canada to call the second the plays in the second half of that game, and if you look back on it, that's when Rudolph really kind of started to to take off a little bit and threw the ball down the field and attacked the Browns down the field. So, you know, I don't know that either one of these guys is the long-term successor to Ben Roethlisberger. I tend to lean towards that not being the case. Uh, so you go with the guy who you know you have under contract next year, and that's Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins could could decide at any point because he's not under contract. Are you going to sign him to a long-term extension now? No. You're not going to sign him to any kind of contract here based on what? His, how he plays in the preseason? So you want him to earn that, and to earn that, he has to knock out the champ. And in this case, the champ is Mason Rudolph. People might say, well, it's a, he's a paper champion. He's still the guy. He's still the guy that you have to beat out, and there was nothing that Dwayne Haskins did in that preseason opener that beat out Mason Rudolph. 
Now, of course, in Dallas, or rather against Dallas, you saw a lot of second-string guys, even third- and fourth-string guys going up against Wayne Haskins. Now that the preseason has really started, I don't know what the Philadelphia strategy will be entering their first preseason game, but you can assume that you'll see a lot of second-stringers out there. I think the competition will be a little more real for Mason and for Haskins, depending on when they play. Does that play into anything? It's going to be interesting because you've got a new head coach in Sirianni, uh, whose brother happens to be the head coach at WJ University. Um, so you got Nick Sirianni there. I think I, I think I'm getting the right one, right? I Mike, so. Mike, Mike Sirianni <laughs> is the guy is the uh, the head coach at WJ. It's Nick Sirianni who's the head coach with the Eagles. Um, and a lot of times with the, with a new coach in these situations, we saw it when Mike Tomlin took over the Steelers. They want to try to establish something. So, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. And you've got a young quarterback there, um, you know, for the Eagles who doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, so. I believe only four starts. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see some more of the, uh, you know, many of the front line guys with the Eagles. The, the wide receiver group is young. You know, Jay, as I mentioned, Jalen Hurts is young. Um, you know, go out there and establish something. So it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either. I don't know if we'll see any of Josh Dobbs, but the question remains too. It doesn't sound like it, but in terms of Ben Roethlisberger entering his 18th year at age 39, a lot of people are projecting him to play in the week three preseason game against Detroit, along with many other starters. Dale, in your opinion, is it even worth it to start him then? And is it worth it to see him out there for any game action other than that week three game against Detroit? I'd play him a little bit. I just think, you know, we're looking the, at Against Detroit or come yeah, Thursday? No, against Detroit. You don't, um, do you even want to, you don't want to see him anywhere near the field on Thursday? No, I don't, I don't think I need to see him Thursday. I would like to see him against the Lions, though. Again, it's a new offense for him. And, you know, I think that's when the line will finally be back out there. I don't expect to see him long. You know, maybe a couple of drives, but just you want to get his feet wet before you head to Buffalo in week one for what should be a pretty difficult matchup. You know, you better have him ready for that. He can't warm up to that game. No, you can't. I mean, the Bills already had a solid defense, of course. We know of Terrell Edmonds' brother lining up at, at the linebacker position, one of the best to do it, and, of course, they have a solid secondary, and then they approached or they address their defensive line in the first two rounds of the draft. So it looks like they have a solid defense moving forward to the 2021 season. But again, Dale, with Ben entering this last, what I shouldn't, I shouldn't jump to conclusion and assume it's his last season, but what many speculate is to be his last, given the fact that we saw somewhat of a, of a lesser version of Ben Roethlisberger, just not as a dynamic guy as we're used to seeing down the stretch. Is it more important, given the fact that he also has a new offensive coordinator, new weapons to play with, such as Pat Fryermuth and, and of course, Najee Harrison, a new center to get comfortable with going with Kendrick Green? I think the last thing you just mentioned might be the is biggest. Is the most important. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, despite the fact that Hassenhauer got the start or got the number one I or, or the number one uh, nod on the depth chart, it's, it has been Kendrick Green. Yeah, I agree. I think establishing that relationship because everyone wants to point to 
the first snap of the of the wild card game against Cleveland is that even if you have been playing with Marquise Pouncey for 10 years, things can go wrong. Oh, there's no doubt things can go wrong. We haven't seen Green make any snaps like that. Um, you know, Roethlisberger is going to take more snaps under center this year. So that center, you know, exchange is going to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more involved with that. So, you know, you'd like to see him do that. And, and you know, Detroit has some guys up front that can can pressure a young offen uh, offensive lineman. So, yeah, I, I think <coughs> typically the Steelers have game planned a little bit more for that third game. Mike Tomlin likes to use it as a, a, a regular season walkthrough kind of game. So I'd be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't play at least a little bit. In, in fact, I'd be surprised if all the starters, at least the ones who have new contracts, right. uh, aren't on the contract. <laughs> Looking aren't, ahead. Aren't on the, on the field. Sorry. Right. Looking ahead to the regular season as well, say Ben does go down. Say the injuries, just, it, it's too much for him at that age. Say he's not a Tom Brady even though Tom Brady is 43 and, and having the success he's having. At age 39, Ben just can't keep up with it, which is should be no reason to fault him. It, it shouldn't be a reason to criticize him because the only guy who's been able to do that has been Tom Brady. How much can the Steelers afford to lose him for, and would it even be that detrimental? Because in my opinion, comparing the 2021 team to the 20, 2019 team, when you were going with Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges, I think the Steelers are in a much better position this year than they were two years ago if they have to go a long stretch without Ben. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got guys behind him who've played. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, if you, if you remember back to that 2019 season, uh, I believe, if memory serves, the Steelers were the first team to have two quarterbacks make their, their debut, NFL debut, uh, in, in the, the same, same season. season. I mean, that just doesn't happen all the time. So um, you never want to lose Ben Roethlisberger. That, that, that's not what the, the team wants to happen. Is it realistic to say, okay, he's going to go out and play 17 games? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, it I think it largely depends on their situation. You know, I know a lot of people like to bring up, well, Ben Roethlisberger's only played uh, 16 games. Yeah, I don't even know what the number is, right. four or five times in his career. Well, four or five times those uh, during his career, he sat out the regular season uh, fi uh, finale, finale because of everything wrapped up. So don't hold that against him mm -hmm. with his injury stuff. They sat him on purpose because they had been so good that they didn't need to play him in that game, including last year. So, you know, could he play 17 games this year? Absolutely. Is it likely? Probably not, but... I think you go into it if you're Mike Tomlin saying, "Well, that's the plan. We want, you know, we we're not planning on we're we're planning on 14 games of Ben and three games of Mason or anything like that. You you roll out there with the guys that you got and you adjust if something happens. And of the guys you got, lastly before we wrap up here, Josh Dobbs, does he have a chance of making the team even as the 53rd guy to make the roster? I don't see it. I mean, I think he could be end up on the practice squad. Um, but is there a risk when that happening that someone else goes out there and get him? Maybe in Indianapolis. That's fine. They can. Have you wouldn't. Him. You wouldn't yeah. lose any sleep over that. No. You've got three. You've got three quarterbacks. Two of them are young guys that are with a high pedigree. If they, if somebody wants to sign Josh Dobbs, have at it. He was on the open market this year, and no one took him. It. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we've pretty much covered the entire offense. We'll switch gears here. 
coming back. We'll talk about the defense, some guys who have impressed us, impressed us so far through training camp and week one against Dallas. We'll hit that when we come back. Jacob Breck, Dale Lolly here with you. Six to eight, right, Dale? Six to eight p.m. here at Bigham Tavern. Live on Mount Washington, you're listening to ESPN Radio and SNR. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation, SNR. Live here at Bingham Tavern on Mount Washington. This is your Bud Light Steelers training camp report. Jacob Breck and Dale Lolly with you. Dale, we talked a lot about the offense so far, but I'd like to get to the defense. We saw, I think everyone can agree, the training camp phenom, week one phenom, has been Alex Highsmith. Everyone has been googly eyes over this kid, and for good reason. When you come and fill in a role that was left by Bud Dupree, who did such a good job last year up until his injury, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders, but it doesn't seem like Alex Highsmith has shied away from taking that spot on whatsoever. And that has to be, I mean, I talked about, I used the word concern way too many times. That's just, it's, that's poor radio, that's poor journalism on my part to, to use that word so many times. But I'm not going to use it one time when talking about Alex Heisman. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I thought it was just so silly, um, you know, all the offseason uh, mock drafts and things of that nature that <clears throat> had the Steelers selecting an outside linebacker, an edge rusher in the first round of this year's draft, or even high in the draft. It just wasn't going to happen. They like Alex Highsmith. They felt like he was going to take that next step. They felt he played well last year down the stretch. Now, maybe he didn't have the, the gaudy numbers or anything like that, but they, they felt like he was going to take a, a pretty good jump uh, in year two, and thus far, that's what exactly what he's done. You know, it's funny. One of those mock drafts I actually did with my old partner, Kellen Gerskan, on our show, The Standard, and there was a mock draft somehow, some way. Micah Parsons fell all the way to 24. And I know when I was working with The Drive and you and Matt, there would be times when certain guys would fall and you would just pass up on them because it wouldn't be a realistic. It just wasn't realistic. Yeah. But we said, screw it. We took Micah Parsons and it felt great to see him hypothetically in our minds wear the black and gold, but yeah. All the talk about possibly addressing that as a, as a draft need was just kind of ludicrous because you had someone who you went with the year before. It's as, a third-round draft pick. I mean, your second, premium your, pick. your second pick, yeah. essentially, for that draft class. And, of course, you weren't going to win Rookie of the Year on the team with Chase Claypool having the campaign he had. But to come in and I don't think he, he really wowed anyone, like you said, but he didn't make mistakes yeah, when filling in for Bud I mean. You know, everybody on the coaching staff that you talked to about him said, well, you don't, you know, he's one of these guys, you only have to tell him something once. He doesn't make the same mistake again. And, you know, I, I think that's, there, there's, you know, the, the best ability is availability, but the, the second best ability for a player might be dependability. And I think that's, that's what you're looking at there with Alex Highsmith. He's dependable, he was dependable last year well, now he's taken that the next step, and I think he, he's going to be a playmaker. I've kind of adjusted where I thought he might be this year. I thought, well, he'll get, you know, six to eight uh, sacks this year, and that that's pretty good, and it, it would be pretty good if he got somewhere in that range. Um, I think he can be a better player than that now. I think, you know, maybe it's eight to ten. Um, you know, you get an extra game. Um, you know, maybe he won't have to play quite as many snaps like they did last year down the stretch. 
with him and T.J. Watt because you you know you've got a, a veteran there um, in Melvin Ingram. So uh, you know I I think this this pass rush is going to be good again. And as <clears throat> as I wrote about today and what Mike Tomlin said today, I asked him. I said you know you they've been flip flopping Ingram and Highsmith from the left side to the right side and back again. It doesn't really matter where, where either one of them line up at, depending on you know on any given play. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got T.J. Watt and, you know, we're going to have to maybe move him around a little bit because teams pay a lot more attention to T.J. Watt. So there may be times where you see Watt coming off that left side. That's his that's the, his comfort. You know, that's where he likes it. He's more comfortable over there. But if teams are going to consistently slide protection to that side and leave out Alex Highsmith one-on-one uh, -on -one or Melvin Ingram one-on-one, -on -one, A, they've got to win that battle. But B, you don't want to make it easy for them to identify your guy either. There may be times where you want him over on that side, on that opposite side, lining up the Cam Hayward, you know, and, and trying to, you know, get some matchups. I'm glad you brought up Melvin Ingram because there was no sighting of him in week one. Week two, I'm expecting to see a little bit more. He's going to play this week. I, what, what are your expectations of Melvin Ingram for Thursday night? He's been pretty good. Um, you know, you can tell that he's a veteran you can tell that he's as uh, mike tomlin likes to say a been there done that guy there's some pedigree there he's a former first round draft pick uh you know his he looks fresh from last year obviously didn't play a whole lot of games last year uh he's given them some pass rush he looks good against the run i i think they're going to try to figure out some ways at times to have all three of those outside linebackers on the field at the same time i'd like to see that because Truthfully, with Devin Bush out last year, and of course, Bud Dupree out, it just wasn't the same rush attack. It wasn't the same edge guy. It just wasn't the same presence that you were used to uh, for a typical Steelers defense. And I would have no problem putting both Ingram and Highsmith and, of course, T.J. Watt out there all at the same time. But that comes on the heels, of course, of the Devin Bush injury. Devin Bush spoke with the media for the first time yesterday and he had said, you know, all I got to do is just get back out there. I got it. It's all about repetition. It's all about chemistry. It's all about working things out. It's all about trust. I, we didn't see Devin Bush, of course, in week one. You said you expect to see, uh, a, obviously, a combination of Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram. Do you expect to see Devin Bush out there? Yeah, I think he's ready. I mean, he's practiced a lot more than, say, Zach Banner, and I think – uh, you know, people may look at that and say, well, he was injured after Banner. Why is he, you know, why is Devin Bush ready and Banner not? Well, Banner's like 320 pounds. You know, <laughs> that's a little bit different than a, you know, a 230-pound linebacker. There's, there's a little He's bit more. He's the fastest linebacker in the yeah. game. It's a little bit, you know, a, a little more weight on that knee joint and things of that nature. So I, I think Bush looks ready. Uh, he looks fast. And I, I think, you know, at some point you want to see him out on the field and doing Devin Bush-like things, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people got all caught up in the offseason stuff with the, the tweeting and all that stuff. I don't care. Right, he was asked about that less. today, and you can kind of tell by his reaction. He was just, you know, the guys reached out to me, but it did, it, his response to that was so lax compared to the, the responses he gave when it came to football questions. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so much the, – the, 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 attention that is paid to some of these guys off the field and the things that they do in the social media if you don't like what the guy's tweeting 
Don't follow. You him. have the option to. You have the option to unfollow yeah, or or block him or mute him or do whatever. If that if that bothers you that much, if you are that much of a snowflake that what so what some player I could care less what these guys think about non-football related issues. You know I just I, I just don't. Right. And you know I I every once in a while I have to report on those things. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it kills you inside I, I, having, to, I, I just don't, having to do it. I don't it, yeah. care to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm, I cover a football team. I don't cover a Mensa society. You're not a PR rep. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> no uh, certainly not. Know, we're, we're not. We're not talking about congressmen here. We're right. talking about football players. A, so, lot, a lot less on their yeah, plate, right. I, I don't expect them to be geniuses. I don't expect them to, to be the smartest guys in the room. I don't expect them to be necessarily role models. I understand that some people, you know, young people may look at them that way because they want to grow up and be that guy. But I don't care what they think. Not one bit. No. You know, that was always the thing, you know, when, when Ryan Clark was part of the Steelers, Ryan always liked to think he was the smartest guy in the room, including the, the reporters. And Ryan's a smart guy. In that locker room when there were no reporters in there, he may have been the smartest guy <laughs> in the locker room. That's fine. But don't, don't you know... I'm sorry, you know. Don't try to get into the verbal, you know, wordplay with 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 people. I, I it just, I, I don't care what you what happens on and off the field. And if you if you have good things, you know, like Cam Hayward doing what he, you know, what he does off the field, that's fantastic. And God bless you, and and and, and it's great. But yeah. you know what you think about the presidential election and things of that nature, I don't care. Right. Dale, I can get your. I can tell you're getting heated over this, so we can switch <laughs> the conversation back to actual football okay, play. Okay, let's do that. Uh, really quickly before we head to break, Tom, I mentioned to you, Tom and I did a segment earlier this year about first-time Pro Bowlers you'll see on the defense. Can Devin Bush elevate his game, get back to where he was in his rookie year to be a first-time Pro Bowler this year? Sure, absolutely. I think you know he was on track last year. I thought he was off to a good start, and he got hurt. You know. So that happens. I think that's the natural progression that you would like to see Devin Bush make in year three. Um, you know, no preseason last year. He only got five games. Uh, so you're, you're looking at a guy who's still a young player. That's why I think he needs to be on the field, mm -hmm. you know, in this preseason. In this game. At least a little bit, you know, to get him some more experience. He's not, you know, even though he's a third-year player, he's not a third-year player, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. He had played every defensive snap last year until until he got hurt right he played every defensive snap up to up until that point so you're going to be looking at a guy you, you want to test you're not going to you're not going to put him out there for an entire preseason game but you want to test his is is conditioning a little bit as well what's he look like if he's on the field 10 straight plays what's that look like because he's their guy he's the guy that's going to be out there in the nickel and dime he's the guy that's going to be out there chasing running backs and tight ends so I, I think you really need to see him, and I think he can be that guy. I th you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Terrell Edmonds is that guy. I think he has that kind of talent as well. So they've got some guys who can still step forward. I mean, Stephon Tuitt's never made a Pro Bowl. Uh, so, there, so there are definitely some guys in that defense who, who could still elevate their game even higher. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's why Tom and I put him both as that first-time Pro Bowler for this year. We expect to see Devin Bush. We expect to see Melvin Ingram this week. We already know. We've already loved what we've seen from Alex Highsmith. T.J. Watts, the one linebacker we have yet to really talk about. <laughs> we'll get to him and his participation or maybe the lack thereof 
When we come back at the top of the hour, Jacob Breck, Dale Lawley with you here live at Bingham Tavern for our Bud Light Steelers training camp report. Only here on ESPN Radio and SNR. Black and gold live here 24-7. This is SNR.